0: Media.
1: My friends, this is our 200th episode of What We're Drinking With Dan Dunn, a milestone that we here at the show are extremely proud and excited about and grateful. Really, really grateful, because this doesn't happen without you, and I I personally want to thank you for listening to the show and supporting us Speaking of which, I want to let you know that our YouTube channel has been revamped and we are posting a lot of cool footage, interview stuff that has never been seen before with the likes of Ian Summerhalder and Paul Wesley, Maynard, James Keenan, Christy Brinkley, Olivia Culpo, Dan Aykroyd and on and on and on. Go to YouTube. Check out What We're Drinking With Dan Dunn's channel. You can search at Podcast, and please subscribe. It helps. The more subscribers to get, the more the money I get. All right, no, I'm just being honest. Yeah. Uh, anyway, 200 episodes. Boom, bingo, bada bing, Doo! ha, bing, go, let's roll. Hi, this is Will Forte, and you're, for some reason,
2: listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. You made your choice.
3: My issue is I can't endorse you. You will suck the life out of everything.
4: Oh, come on, really? This is John Taffer from Bar Rescue, and you're listening
5: to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. Hey, this is Tiffany Thiessen. Hi, this is Pat Nelswald. And this is Meredith Salinger. Hey, this is Big J O'Christine. Hi, I'm Allison Janney, and you're here with me on What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. And that's my sexy voice.
2: How's it? It's Neil Everett from ESPN.
3: Hey, everybody, this is Ed Kowalczyk. From the band live.
2: Hi, this is Kurt Russell. Listen, I escaped from New York, but I couldn't get the hell out of Dan Dunn's happy hour. Please
5: send help. This is Colin Donnell, and you are listening to my favorite podcast that begins with the letter W. Take that, Mark Marin. we
2: well, pour yourself a glass. It's for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. Well, this is what we're drinking with and done. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> Oh my, yes. Wow, oh, please, everybody, stop with the cheering. I know it's very exciting. Welcome to this, our 200th episode of What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. And I remember when the critics were saying, we're not going to make it to two episodes, but you times that two by, just carry the four, 100. That's right. So we've done 200 episodes. And boy, what a show I've got for you today. We got uh, some new friends and some old friends going to come and and chat and and and, and laud me, I hope. Uh, but first, I'm not even going to mess around. You know, a lot of times I just start talking myself. I'm not going to do that because you can't have a 200th episode without your East Coast co-host, official East Coast co-host on the show. And it's been way too long. Welcome back to the show, Colin Donnell. How you doing, man?
5: Ah, the crowd goes crazy 200
1: 200. come on man be honest the first time you were on the show you were thinking I don't think this this is going to did you think it was going to last
5: oh I totally thought it was going to last but honestly when you asked me the first time I was like uh okay well he's a friend of a friend so duh he's going to send me some booze well duh and he's a funny guy so triple duh
1: all the duhs are in lined up (laughs)
5: <laughs> all the does you got a dum-dum as your east coast co-host and uh I'm, I'm, congratulations man 200 episodes is huge thanks man yeah i um i was looking back I, you know i thought about
1: doing all kinds of like oh let's clips from all you know, and i was like yeah and i started looking back at the shows and i thought you know they they all exist in their own right and let's leave them where they're at and let's just keep going with new content but we i have been very fortunate in that the likes of you and, and, you know, let's go to, you know, McConaughey and put Pitbull and Christy Brinkley and Ackroyd and Cranston and, and on down the line. I've just been,
5: I've never heard of any of those
1: no, people, Maynard, James but. Keenan, Jason, Aldean <laughs> Kenny Chesney. We've had so many really Nick Jonas, John Barbados, Olivia Culpo, former Miss universe. I, I, it goes on and on. And, uh, It's been really, really fun. And I hope we get to do at least 20 more of these. That's what I'm shooting for right now. Yeah.
5: Look, Dan, I mean, you list off all those people. And I have two thoughts, really. Uh, One, I am so glad that you have included me several times amongst all of those people. I feel like a a palate cleanser of sorts uh, between the actually famous people. And two... Wow, you made a bad choice for East Coast co-host because <laughs> you had your pick, nah. and you chose me. Which I'm I'm glad. Thank you. I'm I'm I feel honored and privileged. But <laughs> you need to have a serious talk with yourself.
1: You're you're the only guy I could get to come do that show with me in New York that time. So I was like, all right. No, uh, Colin did uh, come. <laughs> what well, I think it might have been the first. So we've now fans of the show know we've done numerous shows at the Stand Comedy Club in New York City. But you were on the very first one. And, um, I think you and I were kind of overmatched. We got in there, we had some heavyweight who was on there. Was that big J who are the Christina Hutchinson? No, it's Christina, no, it Christina Joe yep. DeRosa.
5: Yeah. Justin. It was, I'll tell you, you were, you were, you know, I was thinking of all the moments that I've been on the show beforehand and that one stands out because, you know, it's just a, it's a joy to go into a room and know that you're the least funny person there. <laughs> <laughs> I know man. And perform for a group of people that are looking at you and they're like, Why? And why is How he did this here? guy end up there?
1: <laughs> well, trust me, man, I learned I've learned a lot and we've done shows in other places besides New York. And so I've honed my I've honed my skills a little bit more to the point where now when I do these shows, I'm actually doing a little bit of stand-up myself and it works. But I, I learned on that very first one with you you got to come correct because these guys and gals that are up there on stage, they're funny and you got to be, be ready. You got to be nimble. You got to be ready to, to trade barbs with them and whatnot, but it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I think we're going to be doing one in the beginning of January in New York I city. That. I believe January 5th, it hasn't been nailed down yet, but that's looking like it's going to be the day. And if you, obviously if you're in New York, you You are more than welcome to East Coast co-host that one with me. But speaking of things you got that you're good at besides this, one week from the day today, the day this show drops, which is the 20, well, this show drops on the 22nd. So one week in a day, November 30th, I believe.
5: You are correct.
1: You've got a new television program dropping called Irreverent on the Peacock.
0: Channel? Yes. Is
1: it the network channel? What is Peacock? Streaming service. The streaming platform of Peacock. It's called Irreverent. We've talked about this on the show before. Colin plays a mobbed up guy who, the mob hit goes wrong. He's got to get the hell out of Dodge, Dodge being Chicago. And he takes off and heads as far away as he can go, which is Australia, where he assumes another person's identity, a man of the cloth, Hence the tur- the title, irreverent, and you end up living in this small village in the Australian outback.
5: Do I have that all right? You actually kind of pretty much nailed it. Yeah. yeah. So that's it. Uh, yeah, we drop on the thirtieth. Super excited. Um, do
1: they drop every? Do they? So there's a whole show drop on Peacock, or is it once a week?
5: Yeah, man. We are sorting out your entire. Binge watching holiday kickoff with our show. All ten episodes are going to drop on the thirtieth. Uh, so you know, heading heading into the holidays, you're like, "Ooh, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch this over and over again."
1: Yeah, it's a good way to spend Thanksgiving. I
5: think. Screw
1: yeah. you, family. I'm watching it reference. <laughs> Uh, so it, I mean, I know you can't get but how are you feeling about it? Do you feel good about I mean, you've done a lot of TV and, and you've done a lot of theater, you know, you got to have an idea going in whether or not it's, how are you feeling about this show?
5: Look, I am very, very proud of it. Uh, it was, it was a great shoot. We had a blast making it. Uh, and I have now seen all of the episodes and I am extremely proud of all the work that we did. Uh, the show is funny. It's full of heart. It's, uh, you know, there's a bit of action and and thriller and suspense in there. Um, and I'm just excited to see whether or not audiences get on board with us. I think they will. I certainly hope they do because, uh, the show is great. And I'm, I'm, I, you know, I, if I had the hazard to guess, I think, I think people will really enjoy it, but I'm mostly just excited to actually have it out there. Cause it's like, we shot this thing a year ago now. Oh, yeah,
1: I remember doing an episode with you from Australia. You, you,
5: I was, you it was in. literally like six o'clock in the morning yeah. and I was having some drinks with you guys. It was a day off by
1: the way. Now here's the way my brain works though, Colin. I, I, if I were you. I would want it obviously to be successful because you don't want to be associated with something that's not successful. But at the same time, I would be a little bit panicky because I'd be like, what if it's successful and they want to do another one, then I have to go all the way back to Australia and work.
5: Yeah, man. Life would suck. (laughs) Did you like it over there? Did you enjoy? I mean, you were
1: there during the height of COVID. I got to imagine you, you must be thinking how cool it would be to go back and not have all the restrictions that you had before.
5: Correct. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, being there, being there as it was, was amazing. Uh, let me tell you, I mean, the, 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 the little beach town that we got to shoot in for the first couple of months was so beautiful. Then we were down in the Southeast of Queensland and, in, uh, in and around Gold Coast, which was unbelievably beautiful. But, uh, If we do get the opportunity to go back and would be able to tack on some travel and see other parts of Australia, maybe get over to New Zealand or Tasmania or up to Bali, you know, it's a part of the world that is hard to get to from here. So when you're over there, you want to try to take advantage of it. And, you know, between work and all the restrictions that were on – when we were there the first time it wasn't, it just wasn't possible. So it would be really nice to go back and have the opportunity to take advantage of already being over there. Well,
1: you know when people go on talk shows and they, and the host gives them the surprise. Well, guess what? Like Oprah under the chair. I'm about to give you a surprise. Here's the surprise. If that happens, I will come visit you in Australia. Cause I've never been to Australia or New Zealand. Oh, done. Oh How's done. that for an incentive for a second season? I'm coming over. You get a trip and you get a trip. <laughs> you get a you visit get a from Dan Dunn. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm hoping you'd figure out a way to get the peacock to pay for me. Just say, you know, I'm a, an emotional support person or something. You need me over there. I
5: mean, you are. I need a hug from Dan Dunn. We can
1: go. look Imagine, man, like we could do Australian wine country. We could go over New Zealand. My friend owns a place called Decibel Wines, Dan Brennan, over in the North Island of New Zealand at Hawke's Bay. We could probably go stay on the vineyard. Amazing, you know, and do that fun. I hope you don't let me down, man. I hope you don't let me to get a second
5: season. Damn it! Look, I'm trying. Everybody, watch, 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 watch. Uh But yeah, there's. I mean, look, there's a. a aside from the wine regions of uh, of Australia, there's also some really cool stuff happening in the in the spirits world. Four Pillars is one of my favorites, and they have all this stuff that's only available in Australia. I discovered a great. Gin distillery outside of the Gold Coast, which is called uh Cauldron Distillery. They're doing some really cool gins there. Uh, there's there's all sorts of stuff. You would have a blast. Starward, I believe, is one. That's uh is that
1: Aussie or New Zealand? I it's one of those places. It's not here. That's what I yes. know. Um all right, well, so obviously now you've been incentivized, but the show, I am excited for you, man, because you are the you are the lead, you are the star. Is this the first time for you carrying the show? And I know you're going to say, no, you got your cast, but you're the lead that the onus is on you. It is right. I mean, when you're the lead on the show, if it fucking makes it, they're like, he's the best. And if it doesn't make it, they're like, yeah, pressure. (laughs) I'm not going to say what happens then, but it's pressure, right? There's a little (laughs) bit of pressure, isn't it?
5: There is pressure, and you know there is like a, a long, like sitting right alongside He's sweating the excitement. Right now. He's like, you. I, I am. It's like dripping down yeah. in my eye. No, alongside of the excitement of the show coming out and people being able to watch it, there is like a nervous energy about uh, it finally premiering because you know there's it, my face is on that screen a lot, and it's also you know something different than people have seen me do before, which is super exciting and super nerve wracking. Um, So yeah, you're right. There is, I, I am leading this show and I do honestly have a wonderful, wonderful cast all around me. And I couldn't have done anything without them or the crew that made this television show. I mean, they are the real stars of all of this. Um, And it does feel like a great ensemble show that I felt very privilege to be able to lead
1: but you do know if if the show didn't work they would all blame you the ensemble yeah they'd be like yeah yeah, no they're not gonna be as magnanimous you're like god damn it i did great work and (laughs)
5: wrong lead they're all they're they're gonna they're gonna the show's gonna come out and they're gonna say we made a mistake
1: yeah if only we would have went
5: with the other guy from chicago med
1: um i don't even know anybody else on chicago med just (laughs) you i only saw you when i would watch chicago med Zero. Well,
5: in. Yeah, you have eyes for me and me alone. And
1: the other show you were on, if uh, Arrow.
5: No. Yeah, that too. Arrow. You were on Arrow. I was on Arrow. Stephen yeah.
1: Amell, also a guest on this show, one of the two hundred yes. episodes, he was in there as well.
5: the The connection between you and I, Dan Dunn.
1: That's right. Now, do you have a favorite moment from your many appearances on this show? Besides us getting overmatched in New York on state live on stage.
5: I mean, that's maybe the number one. Uh, I like to be humbled when I uh, arrive onto your show. Uh, by which, the way, we
1: weren't that humbled because you and I went out before we got on stage. And that was the other lesson I learned. No, it really was because Colin yeah. met up. I haven't seen him and Colin comes and we meet up and we went and we had some drinks and oysters ahead of time and we we're drinking. But And then I went and I also realized, no, keep my shit together. Not that we were drunk or anything, but it was like, no. I had a nice buzz going and that feels great until you get up and the lights get turned on and they're very bright in a comedy club. They're in your face and the silences land heavily when you're on stage. Extra and you tr- hard. try to make a joke and you're like, nobody's making a noise. And you're like, ah. And the sweat starts coming and you're like, I wish I wouldn't have had that second martini because I'd be sharper right now. But no, okay, besides that, well, we've had you, you've been on, in fact, coming up later in the show, Joe Beatrice from uh, Barrel Bourbon is on and uh, is going to be on the show. There was like, I kind of think we did one, and I might have been a little tipsy. Do you remember this? Yeah,
5: well, with Joe, you were, because I think you had just gotten done doing some sort of juice cleanse, which-
1: That's right. I'd done like a four-day juice cleanse and then started drinking (laughs) bourbon. That was like the first thing I put in my body besides juice in four days. And
5: Yeah. I mean, look, man. (laughs) You guys were we, We were on it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and I remember being like, when are we going to taste this one? And you're like, we just did, man. We did. Oh, whoops. We did. All right.
5: Uh, <laughs> look, man, you, you've introduced me to some really cool, cool people. Um, we did the Jacob's Pardon episode, which oh, was amazing. That's right, with, uh, uh, with you had. Picoult. Yeah, yeah, with Paul McCault. You had me on when you uh, you introduced me to Brian Cranston. Oh, wait, no, no, you didn't. Um, oh, uh, there was a time you introduced me to, uh, you had me on with Matthew McConaughey. That's, uh, oh, wait, no.
1: Ooh, no, that wasn't you.
5: No, no, you didn't. Uh, oh, well, Christy you, Brinkley. You, weren't you, you on with Christy
1: Brinkley? No, you weren't
5: on the You one. phoned me in with Christy Brinkley? No, you didn't. Um, you uh, Olivia Culpa, you, you t- no, no, I wasn't there for that one either. You might have stole um, her away
1: from Christian McCaffrey. I could see that happening. If you weren't married and she wasn't engaged, I could have seen that happen. Married and. You got a kid. You got, wait, can we, uh, is there anything else we can talk about?
5: Yeah, we can talk about it, man. We, we, I, I do have a kid and I have another kid on the way. On the
1: way. Congratulations. The way. Are you planning way, this man. child to be born on the same day as me as well?
5: Uh, no. No.
1: Colin's daughter, Cecily, is met, was born on the same day as me and i know he appreciates me
5: always pointing that out to him july 14th well it, it means i can never forget your birthday My or birthday. her birthday that's right <laughs> <laughs> i was going to say hers you're like
1: honey it's da-, he goes to patty honey remember we got to get Dan's birthday, Dan's birthday birthday's coming up so is our daughter oh that's right yeah uh, when is right, the ne- right, when yeah. is this this next beautiful child due she's due in april
5: uh, so they're going to be just about three years apart, uh, which is a great spread. I think, Yeah. I, you know, I, I had a flash at one point, not too long ago of the two of them growing up and like being buddies and sisters. And I definitely got a little teary eyed cause that was super exciting to me.
1: Speaking of which we're going to have to do some sort of a tasting at some point down the line. To or, or maybe some champagne to celebrate what I'm sure gonna be the massive success of Irreverent it starts streaming on Peacock on November 30th and if you're listening to this show and you do not watch Irreverent I'm going to say this for the record I don't want you to ever listen to this show again I don't want you as my listener if you will not take my advice and trust me on this and watch Colin Donnell and the other people uh, on Irreverent <laughs> Those other people that he's pretending matter as much as him. When do you find out? Like, so because it all drops at once, you're going to get a pretty good idea fairly quickly about how the show did. Oh, I
5: mean, yeah, maybe. I don't know. All of that stuff honestly happens way above me. So... But you're like on
1: hold or something? How does that work?
5: Correct. If they, you know, if they make a decision to go ahead and give us another second season, which I certainly hope they do we'll see. Uh, I, um, I will be a part of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready to go. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I have no idea exactly what the timeline is, but, um, you know, it'll come out when it comes out and hopefully it'll be a huge hit, uh, and audiences love it. And, you know, we'll maybe go get to make some more.
1: Just let's hope the execs at Peacock aren't listening to this. Cause it'd be like, you know, we were going <laughs> to green light it. And then we heard Dunn might come over. <laughs>
5: He threatened people. We, you
1: know, we're not. You know what? Let's just not bother. Um, no, I, I'm. I'm feeling good for you, man. I feel like it's going to happen. I've I've watched the trailer. It looks great. Really interesting. The concept is awesome. That you assume this other guy's identity as a priest. How long are the episodes? Are they half hours? Hours?
5: Uh, it's an hour long dramedy. So ten
1: hours of this. 10 hours of irreverence. Yeah, just about. Irreverent. Yes. But I'm saying irreverent. Irrever- I know it's irreverent, but it'll be irreverence throughout those 10 hours. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it will.
5: You'll laugh. You'll cry. Look, I knew, I've read the scripts, obviously, a lot. Uh, and it was awesome going through and watching the episodes because I was surprised by things. And, you know, you don't necessarily have an idea of how it's all going to cut together when you're shooting it. But. Uh, I was able to be just really enjoying myself as I went back and watched all the episodes. Um, And uh, so, yeah. And you know what? I've watched them. I'm watching them again with Patty right now. And um, she seems to be really enjoying herself as well. She's a little biased.
1: (laughs) Patty Murin, uh,
5: Colin's significant
1: other who happens to be a an amazing performer in her own right. Who has also been on the show. Yes, been on this show too. How funny would it be if Patty and you were watching it and she said, "Uh, I don't know.
5: (laughs) You know how devastating that would be? What if you were watching it and she
1: said, hey, what's on HBO? (laughs) You know what? Where are we going to catch up on uh, House of the Dragon? (laughs)
5: No. No. Oh, oh, my that just, God. That just made me cringe. So It made my stomach turn. The people close to you have to lie to you, right?
1: I don't think anybody, any of yeah. my very dear friends have ever said, yeah, I didn't really like your book, man. I didn't like it. Like, I worry <laughs> because, you know, we I don't want to jinx, but it looks like we're making the Ameri- uh, the movie version of American Wino. Like, that would be my biggest fear would be I'd be looking around the theater and, like, you know, you're there. And I look over and you're yawning. <laughs> have you ever seen... S- Witnessed somebody in real time watching something you did that you're friends with or close with, and they something they expressed that they were either bored or indifferent. has that ever happened?
5: Uh well, look, not everything that I've done has been everybody's cup of tea. I'm not but so, they pretend like, they gotta pretend yes, or you know there's there's keywords to look out for. Ah oh, man, you really did that, <laughs> <laughs> dude, congrats on. Finishing everything, yeah. I'm s- I am so proud of you. You <laughs> made that show. Yeah. Well, my, the best too is when silence. I, I've
1: been I've <laughs> talked to people too where they congratulate on, and you know they. I'm talking about people that have given me blurbs for my book, famous people, and you know they have there's they have not looked at one single word of the book, and you know that they start talking about like, oh yeah, he's he wrote this thing. It's just it's really uh, it's words, you know, and. uh <laughs>
5: The prose was fantastic.
1: But you at least have to, you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And in fact, like the other day I went to the movies with a friend and we went to see um, The Banshees of Inishiran, which is just a have you
5: seen it? It's a fantastic movie. I haven't seen it yet, but I love Martin McDonough.
1: Oh, so good. It was such a great, all the performance. But we saw it in LA and you always have to be careful when you see it in LA. So we're walking out and my friend says, oh, I thought, and she starts saying about which and I'm like, shh. Because you're in LA, you just never know who's there. Like, don't say anything because we might be standing next to the, you know, one of the people's wives or one of the guys who worked on it or producer. I always say, Shh, don't say it if you don't if you don't we like have it especially.
5: the same. We have the same rule on Broadway. You have to you have to get away from the theater district before you share any feelings about the show. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So um, no. Look, yeah. it's I, I will say this in is a very serious note. It, making stuff is really effing hard. Yes. It's and the accomplishment of getting something done and doing it in and of itself is a massive victory. So even if you're giving you know, what you think of as platitudes to a friend who has done something you're not. I mean, you really are, even if it wasn't your cup of tea, you are really like, it is such a massive accomplishment to just get something done and to do it. That, that in and of itself is a great compliment. If I'm reading
1: what you're saying, it's that you really didn't like American wino.
5: (laughs) That is not true. I loved it. Wow.
1: Okay. I see where you're coming from. What an accomplishment Dan, Dan, it was you. Wrote for you wrote that to... book. You finished it. Look at you. I mean, you, wrote so... a... you wrote a and whole book. And it got published with a cover and everything. Your name. And you got people it. to talk about it.
5: <laughs> Why? Why do you hate my book? <laughs> you son of a bitch. See, Dan, Look, Dan, I, I love it when it's just the two of us on because I feel like we are on equal playing fields yes. and uh, we can at least if we're not gonna make anybody else laugh, we we will at least make ourselves laugh.
1: We don't need comedians
5: <laughs> no. and their sense of
1: humor. To make us and feel all bad. their funniness. Well listen, we don't get enough East Coast co-host on this show. Uh, but it's always a thrill to have you on. And I i really, genuinely am excited for you, man. Uh, Irreverent Thanks. November 30th drops on Peacock with Colin Donnell. His entire career hangs in the balance because of this <laughs> show.
5: <laughs> if you don't watch it, he'll be unemployed. God's sake. Just sakes. cold sweats running down my face at the moment. Listen, people.
1: We've got plans to to travel the wine regions of New Zealand and Australia during the second season of production. So now the balls in your court, fans of Colin Donnell, and watch the show. Anyway, man, that's it, rambling. We'll go now. Thanks for joining me on 200 episode. See you on episode Thank 300. Thank you
5: for having me and seriously, congratulations Dan. You made 200 episodes. Of a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but,
1: but do you like it? It's, 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 I love it. So I good. love it. I wouldn't.
5: I love it. It's so What's good. What's your you favorite episode? That.
1: What's your favorite episode? You go, oh shit. Gotta go. Uh, with, uh, the one I, I, with. Um, I, 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 you... <laughs> ah, Patty's calling me. Um, all right. <laughs> I'll talk to you later, man.
5: <laughs> Bye.
0: Hey, Dan. It's Patty Murin, Broadway's Princess Anna. Do you want to drink a bourbon? Yes, I do.
1: Do I have a shot on Broadway? Sure. A B C D E F G H I J K L M N O P Q R R R Ah, it happened again. Whenever I randomly decide to perform the alphabet on this show, I always get stuck on those three R's. Guess it's because of my close personal relationship with Batiste Rum, known far and wide as the 3R Rum, because they practice regenerative agriculture, use renewable energy, and make responsible choices. The makers of Batiste Rum employ an eco- Positive solar powered manufacturing process from beginning to end. It's the only known beverage alcohol in the world to have a climate positive natural production process without the purchase of carbon offsets. Batiste rum is made from 100% pure fresh cane juice, not molasses or sugar crystals. If you like your tequila 100% agave, then you'll like your rum 100% cane juice. It's an incredibly damn delicious rum to be enjoyed neater in cocktails. I got two great offer codes from Batiste for you. Go to rum.com that's B-A-T-I-S-T-E-R-H-U-M.com. Fill up your cart, enter code WWD15 at checkout to get 15% off all orders. And if you want to try their delicious Reserve Rum, and you should, enter code RESERVE to get 20% off. Folks, Batiste Rum is proof that great taste with true sustainability is not a goal for tomorrow, but a reality today. And that is as simple as ABC. I've talked about this in my books and uh, on the show and maybe on the Corolla show. I just fucking talk too much. But I, my beginnings in this business, one of the very first, actually the second trip that I ever took uh, as a, uh, I guess I was a journalist then to cover adult beverages that we love. The very first trip I ever took, I went to Turin, Italy, for the Martini Grand Prix of Bartending. I'm embarrassed to say how long ago it was because my guest, who's coming up in a second, was probably not even born then. But, okay, it was a while ago, and the centerpiece of this Martini Grand Prix of Bartending in Turin Italy was a flair bartending competition. This was... The craft cocktail resurgence had not happened yet in the United States. What was happening was flair bartending. It it still hadn't quite died out after uh, the seminal 80s film Cocktail, but shortly thereafter, craft cocktail bartending became de rigueur everywhere, and flair bartending went the way of uh, the, the guy who was in Cocktail with Tom Cruise's career. Brian whatever his name was. Anyway, it's back though. Apparently it's back. Flair bartending with a vengeance. I say all that because uh my uh, my dear friend Justin Silver, who's been on the show numerous times, was it was in Las Vegas recently, he met someone who is one of the top flair bartenders. I don't know if it's just Las Vegas, maybe in America. And he said you've got to have her on the show. And when Justin tells me to do something, I do it because I owe him money. So joining me now, she she's uh, flipping the bottles at Circa in Las Vegas, Lindsay Palumbo. Hello. It's nice to meet you.
0: Very nice to meet you.
1: I apologize for the thirty-five minute intro, but yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, I want to set the table here. So, how would you describe what you do? Do you say I'm a flare bartender, or I flare bartend?
0: I'm a flare bartender.
1: Okay, I see you're from Cleveland. You relocated yep. to Vegas.
0: Yeah, and, uh, almost six years ago, I came out to Vegas um, just to be a flare bartender. Actually, where? Where? Why? <laughs> was yeah. Was
1: flare bartending happening in Cleveland six years ago? Where, where'd you get the bug?
0: Well, I never. I had never heard of it before or anything. Um, I had never seen cocktail.
1: Prior Have you to- still
0: not seen it? Oh, I watched it once okay. after everyone, right. when I was, I'm going to be a player bartender. Everyone's like, oh, like Tom Cruise.
1: Do you know what the tagline is for that movie? Uh, Cocktails and Dreams. That's the name of the bar. The tagline on the movie poster was, When he pours, he rains. Get it? Oh. Instead of when I agree it rains, it pours. When he pours, he rains. Okay. That's I didn't know that one. <laughs> there you go. Uh, okay. So you you go out to Vegas with the intention yep. of learning how to flare bartender you'd already learned at this point
0: no i had never learned it um that's the first time i ever saw it was when i came out to vegas uh, just for a wedding and then i saw it for the first time and i was like oh that's kind of cool and then i went back probably one or two more times and i went back to like the flare bars and everything and i just fell in love with it i fell in love with that the city um i met some great people and people that i was able to stay connected with and talk to about just Vegas in general.
1: And now six years later, you're on top of the
0: game in flair bartending, right? Yeah. I've been super fortunate. Um, I put in a lot of work when I first came here, you know, practicing for four to 10 hours a day. Um, what really whoa, helped
1: whoa, me? Oh, up- let me stop you there. For four to 10 hours a day, you're flipping bottles around. Yeah. There must've been some injuries. Have you ever got hit in the head with a bottle or anything like that? No.
0: Yeah. Tons of times. Hitting the head, the face. Um, ow me all over my legs. I don't, <laughs> don't know
1: how. What's and the then, worst flare bend bartending injury you've had?
0: Well, probably the one that I have now is like, it's ongoing. My right wrist is kind of just permanently shitty. Is that, is that an actual medical diagnosis? You went in, they said, what, what's wrong doc? Permanently shitty. Yeah. That's okay. exactly what the doctor said. Um, in the alley of the doctor's office yeah. I went to, <laughs> um, yeah i just like it honestly over the uh pandemic i was not working very much i think it kind of like healed itself a little bit but it'll still like flare up once in a while well you've got a you've got a repetitive motion injury
1: which happens a lot with bartenders a lot a lot of times you're going to see it in the shoulders from shaking and whatnot but you're obviously flinging bottles and those things aren't light
0: yeah not really um like the practice bottles are but um you know, what we do behind work, it's full liquor bottles because we, you know, we don't just wait for them to get lighter. It's just you do it live, you do it all day long. Um, and like a lot of the people I know have, have had like shoulder like acupuncture surgeries, that uh, stem cell replacement, all this crazy stuff. So
1: It's a dangerous game, flare bartending is what you're saying. It right is. Okay. And
0: a lot of people don't look at it like a sport, but... It is. And that's why, like, when I teach my classes, people are like, oh, what do I wear? I'm like, well, wear what you would wear to a gym. It's, you know, it's athletic in a weird way. What do you
1: wear at work? Do you wear what you wear to the gym? This is Las Vegas. There's no way they're letting you do that.
0: Well, I get to wear yoga pants because I'm the only girl that's a flare bartender at Circa, so I can pretty much wear whatever pants that I want as long as they're black. And then um, I mean, we just like a regular uniform shirt, but the shoes you wear, just like any basic, anyone that would work in a bar or restaurant on your feet all day, but just for teaching purposes and when you're in a class or when you're training you know you want to be comfortable you want to be able to move if you're practicing outside in the summer obviously it's going to be super hot but um what do you do to prevent sweaty hand injuries
1: like a bottle just goes flying
0: yeah that happens a lot like a lot a lot of the guys in town have like garages and stuff which is nice i don't so uh the times that i've wanted to practice over the summer you just get used to it i guess and you just have to be careful which it kind of makes it easier. Cause if you can do certain moves in that kind of condition, then you can do it on stage where you might, okay. your hands might be sweaty or whatever. So it's, I think that's kind of a helpful thing. Has
1: anybody, have you ever like flung a bottle and it hit a
0: patron? I haven't, I've seen it happen. Not as much with, uh, like, glass bottles, but, you know, just flipping Flairco bottles behind the bar, it's landed on the bar top and, like, almost hit somebody before.
1: So you're using, at Circa, you're using bottles specifically designed for Flair bartending. they so not going to shatter or whatnot.
0: No, I'm, uh, what I mean, sorry about that, uh, like, on our downtime, we have our practice bottles behind work because we're putting on shows or we're just juggling. No, or... I'm talking about at work. Are you yeah, flipping no. real bottles? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's
1: That's nuts. I mean, I've seen it, obviously. I've seen it a lot, but... <laughs> I thought it went away for a reason. And by the way, I, I love it. I I mean, I used to love watching flair bartending. Yeah. Here's one for you, though. Is your number one priority the show or the quality of the drink? Because I've always wondered when they're doing this and then they do the pour and they put it behind their back and they pull it out of their ass and whatever the hell you're doing. Yeah. How do you actually manage to make a well-balanced cocktail while juggling? Essentially, you're juggling.
0: Well, it's kind of like at any bar, any restaurant, um, you might have bartenders who are killing it at speed, their cocktails suck, or you might have the guy or gal that can make an amazing cocktail in 35 minutes. It's just, it depends on that. It's the same thing with flair bartenders. Um, there's some flair bartenders that are top, super top, top, but they don't have any people skills and they can't talk or they don't know drink recipes because they just started learning flair, joined the team. And then are still learning their cocktails. So it's just a matter of uh, your well-roundedness and versatility. It's the same as any other place.
1: Have you ever thought about memorizing the last barman poet from cocktail though? So that you could hop up on the, uh, do you remember that scene when he hops up on the bar and he does the poem? Yeah. And <laughs> by the way, remember. one of the craziest scenes of all time, because <laughs> this like diminutive smirking bartender hops up on the bar. There's thousands of people, people in a nightclub in new york in the 80s they're all hopped up on duran duran and cocaine and (laughs) they suddenly stop everybody stops to listen to the bartender recite a poem yeah that was the 80s were a weird time man i'm I'm assuming you, you couldn't get everybody to shut the fuck up at circa if you were to do it but i still think you should try sometime
0: i'll give it a go yeah yeah learn end up on the bar top more than you think though
1: really is it does it get crazy there
0: you stand up on there people do stop and look at you and then they pull out their phones because they don't even know what's going to happen but i'll do like i'll stand on the bar and i'll pour like 10 to 12 shots at the same time and people it does get people to like stop and look pull out their phones and then maybe visit the bar in a little bit but
1: if someone wants to sign up for your classes they have to come to vegas to do this is that where it's happening
0: yeah. So um, I do it kind of like a pop-up style, I guess. I mean, it's always in the same place, but I don't have like a set like every every April or every August. Uh, it's just kind of random when I can fit it in my schedule.
1: If I come out, you think you could teach me some mad skills for flair bartending?
0: Absolutely. All right, I'm, I'm gonna do it. I've got some pretty uncoordinated people. So I don't I know. Am, look at this. Look at this. I'm coordinated. I can wave. You, no. I can you wave. You'll be a student, I swear.
1: <laughs> I, I'm ready. I'm ready to learn me some flair bartending. How how do people find you, Lindsay, on the social media?
0: Uh, I'm on Instagram. It's at Lindsay P four four zero. Lindsay with an A Y.
1: With an A Y. Yeah. And you, I, I went on and checked out your, your Instagram there. You got a lot of videos of you doing it. it's It's really cool. It is impressive what you do. And I'm really glad to see that all these years later, things have come full circle and flare Bartending is back.
0: It's reborn. It was like on the dying end when I came out here, there's only a couple bars. And then Circa kind of brought a lot of people that never worked together together and really let us go wild with the Flair. And, you know, it's a requirement. So everyone that, works there I had to get invited to the audition to do it so it's we have some of the best people in the world amazing the country. well yeah. everybody i
1: recommend going to see Lindsay at circa she'll flip some tequila behind the back and pour oh, you yeah. a hell of a, a hell of a drink too Lindsay, thanks for joining us
0: on our 200th episode yeah thank you so much for having me it's super fun the
5: singapore sling the Dingaling, Dingaling, america you're just devoted to every flavor I've got,
1: but
3: if you want to get loaded, why don't you just order a shot?
1: So while at America's biggest booze fest, Tales of the Cocktail, I ran into one of my oldest and dearest friends in the business, H. Joseph Ehrman. The fact that H. is the proprietor of one of the country's best cocktail bars, Elixir, in San Francisco, is enough reason for me to love the guy. But H. also happens to be one of the fine folks behind Fresh Victor. You've probably heard me say this before. You can buy the finest spirits in the world to make craft cocktails at home. If you use lousy mixers, you're going to get lousy drinks. And let's face it, whipping up cocktails at home can be an expensive hassle. We don't always have time to go out and get fruits and veggies and squeeze them and juice them, or at least I don't. And that's why I'm all about Fresh Victor. Fresh Victor's a line of all-natural, clean-label cocktail mixers that taste fabulous. All of the ingredients are fair-trade sourced. There's no artificiality, none. And the bonus of Fresh Victor over ready-made canned cocktail is not just the jump in quality and freshness, but the fun of actually making yourself and your guests a fabulous drink. And rest assured, these mixers are produced at a 100% solar-powered juicing plant with absolutely no waste. And right now, Fresh Victor is offering a summertime special exclusively for my listeners. Simply go to freshvictor.com, fill up your shopping cart, and at checkout, enter promo code WWD20 to get 20% off your order. Don't hesitate. Now's the time to treat yourself to the very best mixers on the market, and that's Fresh Victor joining me now on this 200th episode anniversary special extravaganza smorgasbord whatever you want to call it uh it's great gathering and i'm 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 just blown away by having all these people on that have that played a big role in the show and and joining me now is one of my favorite guests he's been on the show uh, numerous times you love him you love him to death don't you <laughs> i do he's the founder barrel craft spirits Joe Beatrice how are you man
3: I am I am great how are you doing I am uh, thanks so much for having me on this show this is really what a special I,
1: I can see it look at it I can see it on your face the the 200. Uh, how awed you are to be part of this 200 episodes who knew we'd make it this I thought maybe 20. I'd get bored of it or that more importantly, the audience would get bored of it, but we're still going strong, man. And you've been on numerous times and always love having you on, filling us in on what you got going. So everybody knows out there barrel is one of my favorites. You know, I've, I brought him on the Corolla show. I've, you know, it's just, it's Joe and his team know how to make whiskey. And in fact, I was just sipping some the other night that you, that uh, we got going, you got the vantage, Let's talk a little bit about that expression.
3: So this was a, um, this is a really exciting product for us. This was, this has been literally three years in the making um, that we've been playing around with this. Uh, we started, uh, so, so sort of the core of it is um, it, it's our, our toasted barrel type product.
1: For the person out there that might not be, what do you mean by that? Your toasted barrel expression?
3: Um so in barrels uh barrels uh that you think of with bourbon generally are have a little bit of a toast and they're charred. So everybody thinks of a barrel as being charred from, you know, 1 to 3 or alligator skin or whatever whatever whatever, you know, however however That scale it
1: it's like a 1 to 5. I think 5 is alligator skin, right or something like that. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah. and it and it's, you know, it was done it was done for removing impurities, for imparting color and flavor and so um, there's a, there's another part of this, which is, um, if you toast the barrel and don't char it, um, you're, you're bringing up all the wood sugars are going to be really close to the surface and it gives it very, very different flavor profiles, um, than you do with the charred barrel.
1: The toasting is something that happens over a longer period. Cause when they, when they char barrels, I've seen this before they send the barrels in and they blast it with it's Mm -hmm. really cool looking like they they just blast the inside with a burst of flame and then they charge the toasting is something that takes happens over a much longer period of time right
3: well it it really depends on who's producing them um because some producers actually do it you know it's done over a small some are actually done over a small fire and some have or gas and it's just it's it's a cooler heat it's not as intense and it and it's you know it's like toasting a marshmallow the same concept you're you're not burning it you're bringing up the sugars and that's what gives it that toasted color and it's a very different very different flavor profile and so we started playing around with um different types of wood um hungarian oak french oak um, american oak we have some mizanara barrel in this i'll get to that in a second and then we played around with uh, different age of the wood. So how long it's seasoned. It, it can be one year, two years, three years, and everything that we have in this product is three years plus. So we played around. That, with and battle. by the
1: way, and I'm going to keep cutting you Joe, cause I want pe- cause sometimes people hit me up and they go, I don't understand what they're talking about. Yeah. Now, when you say seasoned, what you mean by that is the wood is actually sitting outside prior to having the Cooper turn it into a barrel. It's how long the wood is going to sit and just absorb everything from the atmosphere.
3: Yes. And if you know, like the, lately in this, if you try, if you go to buy a piece, a two by four, you get it at home, it's all twisted. It's because it's not really that seasoned. And they're, you know, it's, it's, so the longer the wood sits out, the more it just, you know, it gets to its natural shape and, and then it gets milled. Um, and then so we, we did a whole selection of different barrels, um, hundreds of different um, combinations where we put different whiskeys. So we put, um, Old bourbon, old whiskey, younger bourbon, younger whiskey rye. We played around a lot of things in different types of barrels, different oak, and then let them um, let them stand for different periods of time. And we kept a pretty detailed knowledge base of this. So we really got to really got to understand what a different mash bill, what a different age, what a different wood type would would produce in terms of letting it rest in a toaster barrel. So that was that. That went on for a couple of years, and then last year we started blending. So, a toasted barrel expression. There's a lot out there. Um, I, I find them to be a little bit acidic, um, a little bit too, a little bit too much of the of of that flavor note that's in there. So we wanted to really, we wanted to do what we normally do, which is spend a lot of time blending and coming up with the right combination. So this particular bottle, this particular product, and We've just done the. We launched it in September, and we've just finished the third bottling of it. So it's it's it's, it's,
1: it's flying off the shelves, as they say. And is this the normal? You but what are you usually about sixty nine bucks, right? Something like that. Is that eighty nine? This would be
3: 89, yeah. 89, um, that's what eighty nine, yeah. Eighty nine.
1: Sixty nine is what you charge me. I forgot. I get the. Uh, I get the <laughs> discount.
3: <laughs> the friends and family. <laughs> yeah.
1: Friends and family.
0: <laughs>
3: so so then. um and then – so one of the sets of barrels we used was a mizunara barrel, which is Japanese oak, which is a very interesting, really interesting barrel to work with. It's a super hard uh, wood. Um, and the, the the empty barrels cost more than a good barrel of bourbon.
1: Full – than a good full
3: barrel barrel bourbon. Than a full barrel bourbon. Is that because
1: of current economic circumstances or has it always been that way? Are those barrels always expensive?
3: They've always been expensive, but you know there's a premium on them now. You know people want them; they're harder to get. They're being they're in use. They take longer to make. And then also in this blend are some non-toasted bourbon. it's some non-toasted bourbon. So it's a pretty it's a wide age age range. And so what we were looking for was to balance the different contributions of the different barrels into something that was you know that was a, a, we believe really well balanced. And what's interesting about I, – I I am really um, – one one the things I really love about this particular product is when you taste it, aside from it being a super long finish, you also get – this one really activates your taste buds in the back of your throat. So it's a slightly different experience. I mean, it's, it is bourbon through and through, but it's got just enough of something different that makes it really compelling. And, you know, it's funny. This is an unopened bottle. Okay. Um, and I realized – I think we talked about this before. I judge how long it stays on my shelf to like to like uh, how how I, I'm reacting to it. And I, it's almost too easy to drink. It's a very very. It's an everyday kind of.
1: I found it to be, <laughs> uh, you know, and I'm obviously an avowed fan of of what you do. I have found I found this one, the Vantage, to be compared to your other offerings. On more on the sweeter, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm not talking about like sweeter, fruiter, the sweet fruity. I got some of that maple syrup, a little bit of creme brulee, like that was what really came through. And then you had the nice balance, almost like a citrus going on there. It. It's a really, you're right, it's a very easy whiskey to drink, but it feels a lot different to me than a lot of your previous expressions. It, it has, I don't want to say easy drinking, but it's like it seems to be something that would be appealing to somebody who maybe isn't a seasoned whiskey drinker. It, it brings you in, it, there's nothing about it that uh, a neophyte whiskey drinker would find too challenging, I think. Obviously, there's a lot of complexity in there, There's a lot, but it's a... Uh, it's just a great sipper.
3: Yeah, I think I think it's a it's okay to say it's an everyday drinker. What I find about this product is there's a layer of complexity that if you want to find it is there if you want to spend a little bit of time with it. But if you're not looking for that and you just want to taste the bourbon, it's that works really well. So this this bourbon works on a lot of levels. You know, and also, I mean, you know, traditionally we have a lot of a lot of tropical notes in in the products that we produce. This one has got more a little bit more the creme brulee, the grilled pineapple notes to me are really, really prevalent in this thing. So I, I think it's it's just it's a different experience. And um,
1: I would say, um, how about this? This is the word that's coming to mind. Vibrant. vibrant. It, it felt like a very vibrant whiskey to me, as opposed to some of your other whiskeys feel a little bit more. Uh, austere, more, uh, weighty, more, you know, this is the kind of thing I'm going to be drinking, drinking in a dark mahogany room by a fire and going, ah, this is lovely, wonderful. Where this one to me, just, again, you mentioned that creme brulee and and that it it just felt like a a little bit, you know, there's some honey going on. And, and I, it just, it had a spring in its step to it. That was felt like, Hey, this is the new kid on the block. And maybe that's (laughs) because it is, you know,
3: I love it. Yeah, all of, the, all of those work.
1: But I mean, look, somebody else might try it and have a completely different experience. And that's the beauty of tasting is we don't all have the same palate. We don't all experience the same way. But what I will say is it felt like a departure from your the flavor profile that I have really come to know and, and love about Barrel, but certainly in a welcome way. This is Thanksgiving. We got Thanksgiving here. A lot of people think you're drinking wine, or you're going to drink white wine because you're having turkey. But I love a good whiskey cocktail. I love a good bourbon cocktail. uh, You know, sitting around. I'm I'm planning to have some on Thanksgiving, and you like it straight, right? The whiskey. But do you have like, if you were going to sit down and have a cocktail on Thanksgiving, and you were going to do it with the with the vantage, what would you do?
3: Well, um, the first thing is you have to apply the formula, which is. Um, it's one bottle per four people of extended family.
1: Okay, all right, yeah, <laughs> one That's bottle for yourself.
3: <laughs>
1: so you're going to be drinking four bottles if you have too many in laws over.
3: Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I, I actually really, and we will drink. We will drink. Uh, we will have cocktails at the beginning, and there's a uh, 99 percent chance going to be a Manhattan. We've been doing 50 percent um, vermouth. 50 percent bourbon. Another will probably have Sazerac's here. Just, I, I love absinthe and, um, I just love the flavor of it. And it's, it's not, you know, it's not for everybody, but.
1: You know what I felt like something Vantage would take like a, like a sort of maple bourbon smash situation. Yeah. You know, I think that could go really well. I think a Boulevardier with this would be yeah. fantastic. Oh, yeah. Even a, like a bourbon sidecar. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's just so many you could do here, but also, I, you know, the one that probably jumps out, and I guess it's maybe those honey notes, is the Gold Rush. I just think this that whisk this whiskey seems tailor made for a Gold Rush, and I plan on having yeah. a few on Thanksgiving. It's exciting, man. I, I love this time of year when it gets. I feel like I play around more with with cocktails than I do in the summer. You know, living out here in Southern California in the summer, it's like, yeah, hey, give me a, you know, give me one of these RTDs. Just give me something easy. Where, but you know. But in the winter, I kinda like to hunker down and, and start making cocktails. And uh well, it's
3: freezing cold out there, right?
1: Oh my it's it's dipped into the sixties today in California. Yeah. Do you,
3: how, are you okay? You listen, listen,
1: people make fun, but here's the thing. I'm from Philly, so I'm used to but I've been here for twenty-two years, man. Like so wow. so cold here. It does get cold like it gets in the winter. It'll go down into the 30s, high 30s at night in L.A. And when you live by the beach and you get where I which I do and you get some of that breeze coming on, it's friggin cold, man. Like, you know, yeah. winter jacket and all that stuff. But it's not cold where East Coast cold.
3: No. Cocktail weather. It's perfect. A sweater and a car. Co- I mean, you you know, I can see you with a, um, a shawl. uh Sweater and a cocktail sitting on the beach and you're,
1: uh, that's right. That's your, me. Uh, I I, I, I do. Thing. I'll tell you what you are nailing one of my favorite things. Cause people talk about going to the beach all the time. I don't really love going to the beach in the summer. I mean, it's fine. There's a lot of people and I don't like people, but in the winter, like I can't, I don't go anywhere for the holidays. I stay here. Cause every, a lot of people leave. And it's one of the few times in Los Angeles where you can drive around and it's not insane traffic and it's not that crowded. I love going to the beach. Like I will do this during the holidays. I bring a chair. I got my folding chair that I put on my back <laughs> and I ride my bike to the beach and I got a sweater on and sweatpants and I got a book and I got a little, I got my something to drink with me. I mix up something, a little something and I sit on the beach looking out at the ocean, reading a book and just, that's my, I love that. I, I it is, that You're is my, that. that's my happy place, man. It really is. Now, let me ask you, we, this is our two hundredth and our two hundredth episode, Joe, and you've been on at least I think five or six of them. Favorite memory?
3: I me, I can tell you that was it was it was the one that we're where um I think was it Colin was on that one. Was that the I think I, I may be confusing too, but the one where you had just did a nine hour workout on the on your Peloton and <laughs> you <laughs> like sweating or something? You know, not only were you sweating, but the the um it didn't take much to to get you um, pretty tipsy. Oh, I got a little tipsy, did I?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. That, was, that, yeah.
1: That, was, that could have been me. Was, uh,
0: I could have that been was doing. the one where
3: you, where you asked me that we were going to taste something, and you asked me three times if, when we were going to taste oh, it. Oh, that's right. And, and
1: you're weekend. like, we already had it. Oh, no, I remember <laughs> this one.
3: Yeah, you know,
1: COVID. I was sort of, you know, I was like trapped, and I oh, you know, yeah. got a little crazy. Well, you'll be happy to know I still have the Peloton. It is now uh, become a great uh, place to hang my clothes. <laughs> I wonder how many people bought those things during COVID. And now they're, I mean, I use it maybe once or twice a week, but in COVID, I was, which was a really strange thing, right? Because I was probably in the best shape I've been in in years during a time where it didn't matter, like no one was seeing me. I wasn't going anywhere. I, I didn't have a, I didn't have a partner at that time. I wasn't with a girl and, uh, I was in great shape and I'm like, I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. I'm, I'm on this damn bike every day for at least an hour. And, uh, now it that I'm- like prison, yeah, like now prison, right? exactly. Like that's what happens. You go to prison, you get in great shape. That's I sometimes <laughs> think about going to prison just for that reason. I'm like, maybe I could commit, <laughs> but I want to get in like a white collar prison. I don't want to, you know, I need, I don't think I'd last long and do a an hard time. <laughs> Can you imagine me? <sighs> and now a word from one of our dream sponsors, Schlitz Malt Liquor Bull, circa 1981, featuring the Platters and Cool in the Gang.
2: I'd hold you all night, any day of the year. The way that you taste, I love you, my beer. Ooh, Ooh. why don't you get into the groove?
0: Simple, make it clear. The bull got more taste than beer. I like beer. Yeah. Hello, gold. The Schlitz Smart Liquor bull is topso. Don't say beer, say bull. Oh. Say Schlitz Smart Liquor bull.
1: All right. So what? What else we got? We got the we got the dovetail gold label.
3: One of the last times we spoke, we tasted the gray dovetail. Yes. Which, uh, which, which—that was another memory to me. It was, it was one of those moments where I, I sort of sat with it again after we had blended, it and I'm like, yeah, I like it.
1: You know why I love, I hold the dovetail near and dear to my heart is it's finished in a couple of different kinds of casks, including rum, port, and cabernet barrels from Dunn Vineyards. That's right, Mike Dunn. Named it after me. So that's where you're aging in some of those barrels. And this thing, boy, it has a kick, Joe. What is About 140 proof, right?
3: This is 140
0: proof.
1: Yeah, 140 proof. Yeah. All right. So again, let's, let's to somebody out there that doesn't drink whiskey routinely, when you give them this, are you going to put a little water in there before they take the first sip? Or do you recommend they take that first sip at 140 proof?
3: I, what I would say is, um, it, it, what you want to do is the same thing that we do when we taste, which is you just put it to your lips and take a tiny, tiny amount and put it in your mouth, and that wakes up your taste buds. And because that that first taste is going to be very different than the second one, so I have you to put a little bit and taste it, and then try it, just take you know you can take tiny sips. You know, we we taste a lot of product, and we and you there's two schools about there's the American and the French tasting. And, and I tend to gravitate to a very, very small amounts that I taste. So you can just taste a little bit and then I would then try it at full, at full strength. It doesn't drink like 140. I mean, that's, that's sort of, um, that's one of the things that that we we tend to do when we blend. Um, it almost always tastes like lower proof than it actually is. This is a great um, excuse, that, by just, the way,
1: if you're, if you do what Joe yeah. and I talk about, if you've got a significant other and you go, hey, it's not my fault. It doesn't taste like hundred and forty. How was I to know?
3: Who would know? Who, who, who
1: would know? <laughs> that Joe Beatrice fooled me. I, I could have sworn this was a hundred proof whiskey and the extra forty proof. Okay, it's not ball and bond. That, no, that was no. why the lampshade ended up on my head. That extra, yeah. So this thing, uh, you, you're right. It doesn't. It doesn't overwhelm. Certainly not at all. But it does pack a punch. I mean, this is. But this is one where eh, I think, like, it's got get that citric acid in there. I, I definitely was getting that. I, I was there was like a uh, like a lemony sort of flavor to it. I thought, and then as usual, you always have a little bit of honey thing going on. Maybe you mentioned marshmallow earlier. You, marshmallow, get, you get some yeah. of that too.
0: Yeah,
3: marshmallow rhubarb that's in there because there's, and there's a little bit of the apple notes toward the end. This is. Um, there's a lot of really old whiskey in here. It sounds like a pie we're having, right? It
1: like a pie, right? You're like apple, yeah. but pineapple, uh, some whip, whip, ready whip topping on top of there, which wouldn't be too far I mean, off. In fact, a little bit of this sweet. would
3: be amazing with a
1: dessert. What's a good Thanksgiving pie? Pecan pie,
3: pecan apple pumpkin. Do
1: you say pecan or pecan?
3: I say pecan because I'm from I'm from Boston.
1: Yeah, I'm from Philly, right? But I think people in the pecan. South say pecan, right? Pe- I'm
3: sorry, pecan pie.
1: But well, you're from Massachusetts, so what do you call your mother's sister? My sister? Your mom's aunt? sister is aunt. your what?
3: Aunt. Aunt? Aunt. But, it, I, but when I moved to New York, I said it one time, and that was the last time I've said it aunt. since tonight. Because yeah. Philly,
1: it's aunt, aunt. 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 My aunt. And people go, what? Yeah. I get made aunt. fun of for aunt, well, water, but I, I say water. But when yeah. you're in Philly when I go back to Philly, i start saying water. And water. Yeah. water. Uh okay. Vodka. But I know it's, it's a, I know it's vodka. Last it's week vodka. I was on Corolla and they make fun of me because I say vodka. And they're like, vodka. What is it? What is that you're saying? V-O-C-K-A? <laughs> I'm like, there's a D in there. And I but what do you say? Vodka or vodka?
3: vodka. Well, I say I'm I practiced it. It's vodka. Yeah. But when I'm in when I'm in Massachusetts. Hey, how are the socks doing? Give me one, give me one of those vodkas.
1: Vodkas. Vodkas. <laughs> they it's not funny. Like people are like oh like I'm some sort of an outlier by because everybody's everybody I know says vodka, but they're like no it's vodka, vodka. All right.
3: But it's not that often that I drink it anyway. So
1: you have other stuff, right? You got you got a rye.
3: Yep. You rum, got a rum. rum.
1: You got your risky bourbon, rye, rum. That's what we got in the barrel craft spirits. Portfolio? Would you venture into some other spirits?
3: Well, we did buy some grain neutral spirit that we made hand sanitizer with. That was about <laughs> it.
1: And I've had some vodkas it tastes like hand sanitizer. No, uh, would you ever consider doing a a gin or a vodka or a what else could we do? We could do a. Uh, no, you couldn't do an. You couldn't do an agave based. Thing. I guess you could if you sourced it. You know, if you went down there,
3: well, the, or you just, you just, you can't call it tequila. But you could,
1: I hate to say this to you, Joe, you're not a celebrity. Therefore you are not allowed to start a tequila brand. It's the, I don't <laughs> know if you got the memo. Only celebrities can have tequila brands from here on out. Yep.
0: It is kind of, right. it
1: is kind of nuts. What's going on. <laughs> could you imagine that happening in the bourbon world? Is there any scenario? I mean, now I do know, and we've had some on, there are, so there are certainly celebrities encroaching upon the whiskey world. I don't think they'll ever be able to infiltrate it in the way that they have with mezcal. Excuse me, with agave yeah. spirits. In yeah. that, like some of the top selling agave spirits in the world now are celebrity owned: The Rock, uh, Clooney, yeah. and uh, and then in mezcal, you're getting into Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul. They're killing it. I don't know that that's going to happen in whiskey. How do you feel about? So, for instance, we've had like Ian Summerhalter on the sh- and Paul Wesley on the show, Brothers Bomber. Are you okay with some famous people making inroads, or, get, or are you like get out of my lane?
3: I, you know, I this is such a big category. There's so much room. You got you he got Heaven's Door. I mean, you know, Dylan, I mean have you, what do you
1: think of that one? Have you had it? Very good, good. It's good. Yeah, but I mean, how much yeah. is Dylan actually involved in that? I,
3: I don't. I mean, they, they, uh, I. From what I know, uh, Ryan Ryan told me that I that he was. I think he was involved in some of the original blending. I, I don't I, I I don't know how active he is in it. But you know, there's there's room for celebrity stuff. It it doesn't appeal to us at all um, because it's that's more about the celebrity than the product. So we're just in a different a different world. We actually I I, I really I, I can't tell who it was, but we were approached by somebody um, that thank god we didn't do because when you talk about implosion it was just like <laughs> was it ye <laughs> It wasn't, I can tell you it wasn't him. No, Pete it was, Davidson? No, 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 he hasn't. Impl- no, Pete it, Davidson. It,
1: it, 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 if you could get Pete Davidson, take Pete Davidson. Because whatever that guy's got, you want some of that to rub. I want it to rub. I just heard he's dating uh, Emily Ratajkowski <laughs> now. I'm like, what? what is this guy got, man? Jesus. He's
3: going to rub his head. Now,
1: now I'm going to yeah. sit here trying to think of who it could be. The cele- I know you're not yeah. going to tell me, but uh, here's my hope, is that someday I get famous enough that maybe you could bring me on as like part-time spokesman.
3: You know. Yeah. No, I think, look, I think it does work. But for me, it's sort of like we're, we started, we're actually next year will be our 10th year. And we're, we're in this for the long haul. We're in it to, you know, we're in it to be here for, as a permanent brand. And, you know, I think of a celebrity with some exception. I mean, you know, certainly George Clooney. I mean, there's some, with some exception, a lot of it is just transitory. And it's just not, it's not something that we're interested in. Um, there's never, never, but never say never but i i don't really see that as part of what we're doing in the future not going to happen all right well i
1: like yeah. this um looks like this hard work's paying off you might make it after all <laughs> hope so <laughs> i think i think that ship's already sailed uh, on whether or not you I, made it yeah I, that's I, uh, yeah. it is one of the most awarded whiskeys out there and i recommend anybody uh checking out the everything that barrel craft spirits has to offer but in this particular case try the vantage and oh you real quick, Joe, for, what's the what's retail on the, the, the dovetail gold? $89? No, more. The
3: dovetail gold is 500 dollars Or 500
1: dollars What if I give you <sighs> I got sixty eight dollars cash right now burning a hole in my pocket. You can work a deal. You send it over to me. Five hundred bucks, mm-hmm. but you know, you're worth it out there. If you're <laughs> listen, if you're a collector, here's, limited, what, I mean, let's be let's be real though that bottle that you spend $500 on now is going to be worth double that next year, or triple that next year. And then you hold on to it a little bit longer and you could pay your mortgage off probably in a couple of years with that bottle, whatever, or you oh, could Joe. just, or you could drink it. Just remember it's 140 proof. Don't drink, you know, drink it too fast. God's sakes. We well, Joe always love seeing you, my friend. And, and it's, it's, I thank you so much for being part of our 200th episode going to have thank you back you for, we'll have you back on 300 and 400 <laughs> 500 hopefully uh That's awesome. but yeah man it's it's great to see you as always and i hope you and uh the family have a, a wonderful holiday and that you you get your fill of food and dog shows and and all that good stuff
3: thank you so much same with you i hope you have a great holiday out there be um nothing but best for you
1: joe beatrice everybody barrel craft spirits check it out get it, and enjoy. A
4: little slow tonight, isn't it?
2: (laughs) Yes, it is, Mr. Torrance. What'll it be?
1: Mr. Cranston, welcome back to the What We're Drinking Lounge. It's wonderful to see you.
2: Hello, everyone. What'll it be? Uh, like a vodka tonic with a little squeeze of lime or something like that. Stay away from anything that would stain the teeth like red wine. Perhaps we could do a shot together? Why would we do that?
1: Oh, well, last time you dropped by, we shared a shot of Jägermeister, remember?
2: I hated it. It smelled like cleaning fluid. Ah, I see, sir. Well, how about
1: some mezcal, then?
2: I want to be seduced into it. Oh, um, how about some mezcal? Yes. The celebrity is truly behind it. Cheers. It's, it's really good. Would you like another? Don't let anybody tell you that what you like to drink is, is silly or whatever. It's right for you. Good for you.
1: So that's a yes. You're out of your mind. All right then, sir. So you're taking it easy.
2: Keeping track of time is so difficult right now.
1: I hope you enjoyed your time here today, sir.
2: You were great. The celebrity is truly behind it.
1: It's always good to see you. Hello, everyone. Yes. Yes. Righto.
2: You were great. You too, Mr. Cranston. Well, thanks.
1: Joining me now, very funny man. Comedian man. Comedian man. Funny guy. Known him a long, long time. And he uh, he just published his first book called The Pandemic Papers, Rants and Ramblings from a Comedian on Lockdown. I'm excited to finally have him on the show. My old pal, Jonas Garvin. How are you, buddy?
4: I'm good, Dan. Thanks for having me on, man. Good to good to hear your voice. Good to see you again. Um, you know, I'm surprised we don't see each other more, but this is LA, where 10 miles means a two-day drive. So, um, you know, you, you're down by the beach and I'm up here with the uh, Freaks and the Geeks in Hollywood.
1: I love you, man, but I got to tell you, you know, this is how averse I am to going east of the 405. I could probably meet a a woman that's just an incredible, the most incredible woman you could. But if she lived in, like, say, Silver Lake or something, I'd be like, eh, it's too far away.
4: Yeah, no, I, I don't even, I, I hear you, man. I mean, uh, one of my favorite places to go is just down the Sunset Strip from my pad. And some days I'm just like, oh, that's three miles. I don't know, uh, I don't want to do that. Not in LA traffic. It's
1: not going to work. Just not going to work. So, man, you and I have known each other for going on two decades. It's back in the old Aspen day. Not going on. It's been, yeah. been two decades. Back in the old Almost Aspen three decades. days. My formative, some of my most formative years as a drinker uh, in Aspen. And I r- recall vaguely doing some of that alongside you.
4: Yeah, no, I mean, it, and we had some, some good teachers out there in Aspen. <laughs> we had some legendary, uh, bartenders that we could look up to. Uh, you know, we were in our formative years and these guys had been doing it for 20, 30 years. And, uh, it was, it was uh, a great time. I mean, it was, it was the end of the party in Aspen, man. I mean, because I, I know you've been back a couple of times. I went back in April and uh, I'm like, wow, the the billionaires have pushed out the millionaires and it's just, there's none of that cool ski town, ski bum vibe there whatsoever anymore. So I'm really grateful that we were there for, you know, I would say the the grand finale of of Aspen as it once was.
1: It's interesting when I tell people that when I was back there in the late nineties, Aspen had, probably more dive bars per capita than yeah. anywhere else. And people, it's a hard time wrapping your head around that, especially anybody that's been to Aspen recently, because that just does not exist, as you said. No. But back then, even though this was this, you know, famously she ski resort in the Rockies, you had this, sect of people that includes you and I that that didn't have money. We didn't grow up with money. We didn't have any money living yeah. and partying alongside people that had money and no one talked about their money. No one cared. And we'd go to dive bars at like Cooper street pier and the red onion and Bentleys and on and on the down Well, it was called the downtown sports center. It had a nickname called the downtown snort center. Down I don't snort know. Center. <laughs> I don't know anything about that, but, uh, I, I, mm. but it was, <laughs> But it was, um, uh, uh, it was pretty incredible. And then, you know, now I went back like you, I was back last year as well. And it was a bummer, man. It's, you know, it just got taken over, but that hat, listen, that happens everywhere. I live in Venice beach and you've hot. got that happening here. I, even in West Hollywood over where you're in that area, like yeah, the place gets cool. Right. Yep, and then, every- yep. and then word spreads that it's cool. And then the uncool people move in and go, "Let's fuck this up. Let's make it really fucking expensive." You know what
4: this place needs: a really uh, unaffordable apartment complex, a Whole Foods, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and no good bars and restaurants. So That's let's, right. Let's do yeah. that. You
1: know. <laughs> so, it, we, fortunately for us, we were there when when it mattered. Now, let's talk real quick, man, about the the new book. I. I I've I've been reading it. You've got you've all sorts of observations. So you wrote this thing during the height of the pandemic, right?
4: Yeah, basically. Well, you know, as a stand-up comedian, when they took away our performance venues, I had to go somewhere, and I was like, okay, I guess I'll go to the laptop. And uh, I've always wanted to do a book. I didn't know how to do it, so I just kind of sat down and did it, and um, and then just started. When one thing, as you as you know, the hardest thing to do is to sit down to write. The easy part's the writing, so uh but it's amazing how i'm sure you experience this too like one idea just goes to another one you know and it's just it just kept going and going and uh yeah i'm actually it was a lot of work it was on and off writing and and doing stuff for two and a half years but i'm just i'm really happy with it it is definitely not um politically correct it's uh it was a lot of fun to write to kind of get those feelings out and uh there's a lot of people hitting me up already like dude i have these sick twisted thoughts too but uh you know, I put them on paper. You
1: didn't hold back, man. I mean, there's a little bit here. I was reading, says, yeah, that's us. That's America, land of the free, well, kind of, and home of the stupid in all caps. Yes. <laughs> was there ever any fear when you're writing this thing that you're going to get too much blowback or you might lose some fans or people are going to come to one of your comedy shows and say, hey, you know, screw you, man, calling us stupid. Did you, did you worry about that or you don't
4: care? Well, that already happens, you know, before the book came out <laughs> at, at the comedy shows. So, um, No, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to put it all out there and let people, I mean, my my biggest thing was to make people laugh. That's what I wanted to do. And, and, and I'm getting that, but you know, people, but people just love to be offended these days, you know, that. so, but I was like, no, I'm not going to hold anything back. Um, and, and that's just what I did. I just, I just went for it, man. And it's, it seemed to be getting some good response so far, which is great.
1: One of the parts you talked about here that I think is relevant to this show is you talked about your skills as a professional bartender. And you'd listed some of the drinks in here that you that you like to make, and including the boiler maker, glass of cold beer, shot of whiskey, the carpenter, glass of water with a toothpick, a.k.a. the pine float, the electrician. These are all named after jobs that
4: you've had. No, I think they're just named after different building trades. You know, because I, I did spend quite a bit of time uh, in the ironworkers union, and uh, so I was able to familiarize myself. Uh, with all these other building trades. And then like, as I was writing, I'm like, wow, man, all these, these guys are still out there hitting it, Well, we're all locked down. They're essential. Let's name a bunch of drinks after them. So I just started to like, come up, brainstorm all these drink ideas. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to see if I can get them on the menu at Barney's man. Like, cause some of them look pretty good.
1: The Mason Bailey Bailey's Irish cream and lime juice.
4: Yeah, I learned that. Killer and Aspen taught me that one. Okay, um, you, you know because when you get a customer that's not tipping, he'd be like, "Hey, let me buy you guys a drink."
1: But, well, by the way, t- so everybody knows when Jonas says there was a bartender whose nickname was Killer, and I, I, it's funny. Aspen bartenders had so you had Killer, you had Devil, Cujo, Cujo, Chumley, Stroke, yeah. Toast.
4: Yeah. What was going yeah. on?
1: It was I don't know that I've ever been in any other place where they've had bartenders have had so many nicknames.
4: Yeah, no, and I don't think anybody had a real name that tended bar in uh in Aspen. They were all like, <laughs> you know, like they were just like they were like these weird mythical characters, you know, because as as you know back then if you were a bartender at Aspen you were like a demigod. So, yeah. Um so maybe that's why they all had the names, you know, Zeus and It Stoke was certainly
1: and, a situation when we lived there of Uh, stealing from the rich, robbing the rich to feed the poor, because we would go into the bars. And if you were a local back then, you weren't spending a lot of money in the bar, but the bars were making money. And I think that was because they shifted the cost of our drinks over to the tourists that were coming in. You know what I mean?
4: You could, you could go and uh, and sit at the onion and drink 12 beers and the tourist next to you could drink 12 beers and his tab would be a hundred and yours would be a dollar. And, uh, you know, so there's, it was taking care of each other as well. It should be. And everybody made money. I hustle.
1: I was a hustler, man. My, uh, my cousin, Dennis, who you knew, and I, we would, there was a bar there called Cooper street pier and they had shuffleboard table and we got ex- insanely good in shuffleboard and we would hustle. So you'd get the, you'd get the Texas tourists that would come in and they go, Oh, we want to go into the. Down home bar in Aspen, and they come in, and and it was really come on in. oh, it was really like we play, and we be like, oh, man, and you know they they let you let them win a game, and man, you're good, and like oh, but, you know we are playing for money, and like, oh, what are you playing for? Whoa, five bucks, and we'd go something low, five bucks, and they beat us, and then we let them beat us again, and we're like, you know. Let's, stay you know, then we'd win one. Like, let's step it up. Huh? Let's take it up to twenty bucks a game. How? Huh? What do you think? And then, all right, let's do that. He kicked the shit out of them. All right,
4: get out. Yeah, of or here, even, man. even hustling. And then I like too. Like I noticed when I was there, a lot of tourists um, just wanted to party with with a local. Like if you lived in Aspen, they they were thought, oh my god, you live here, and they just wanted to buy you drinks too. You know? It yeah, was, it was, it, was, it, was a,
1: it? was a cool thing. You know, like we yeah, go, we'd stay out all day. We would go snowboarding and stay in your snowboard clothes and you'd be at <laughs> yeah. Next thing you know, it's 10 o'clock at night. You got, you got this producer from Hollywood and, and his whole crew and, and they're buying you drinks and the women are hanging on. It was a good time. Ah, oh, yeah.
4: yeah. Oh, youth. <laughs> yes, it was. And now look at this <laughs> a bunch of old fucking <laughs> right. men,
1: raps, raps right.
4: yeah. Rubbing uh, the just for men in my beard. You know,
1: I saw some news today that I thought, and I thought of you cause I knew I was gonna be talking to you. So, uh, this teacher, Just got fired in a place called Pflugerville, Texas, and he was captured on video telling his students that he was a racist, but he was trying to explain it to them that everybody, whatever race you are, you always think your race is superior and you're a racist. And you're watching this video going, is this happening right now? Is this guy, he's, oh yeah, I'm a racist, but that's not a bad thing. You got to understand what race is. And and, And he's telling a group of black students that he believes that the white race is superior, but that that's not a bad thing. And all I kept thinking to myself is just when you think racial harmony could be achieved in Pflugerville, Texas,
4: Yeah, no, I mean, dude, it's 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 just crazy the stupid shit people say. And I mean, I didn't watch the video, so I don't I don't know what he's justifying or this and that. But I mean, oh, there's
1: nothing nothing justified about anything he says in the video. (laughs) Trust me, yeah.
4: Well, on the subject of race, I will say this, dude. After the last two and a half years, I don't know if you've noticed it, but uh, you know, I'll do some like race jokes in my act and stuff like that. But I look at the social media feed the last two and a half years. With all the the BS, the pandemic, and, and, and the Trumpers and all that stuff, and all that, I realized I'm like, wow, I got a lot of family and friends that are actual racists. I'm like, you ain't <laughs> telling jokes. I'm like, you you are like, 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 wow. By the way, I'm not laughing it. at
1: racism, but it's the same thing with me. Like, it really came through in the Trump era. Like, I'd be on, I would be on right. social media or on Facebook when I'd see some friends I grew up in Philly, and you're like, he can't mean this.
4: Like, this right? is a like, joke, like, right? Like, you can't are you, are you, really mean this. I, I used to think you were cool. And like, now you're like, it's just, but yeah, man, it was just, it, and it exposed. And that's another reason why I did the book too. was like, it. The I don't know if you noticed too, it exposed the stupidity, land of the free home of the stupid dude. Oh, I'm like, because yeah. I'm reading on people's social media feeds. I'm like, you can't be this dumb. I know you personally, you're not just some idiot. And, uh, and I'm like, but I guess you are. And then I'm like, wow, you're. Not only stupid, but I'm not going to listen to anything you have to say because you can't even turn on your spell check. I'm like, the computer spells for you nowadays. You You have to try to spell it wrong. And I'm like, I just, yeah, it was crazy, man. So the book
1: is called The Pandemic Papers. Rants and ramblings from a comedian on lockdown is available in paperback everywhere fine books are sold and books like yours and mine. <laughs> right, <laughs> But man, it's, it's always great to catch up with you, brother. And where are you going to be? Are you back out performing again? Where can people find info? Uh,
4: just go to jonasgarvin.com. Uh All the, the calendar updates will be there. The social media is all there. So I'll be around bouncing around. Uh, if you don't have new year's plans, I'm doing a couple big shows up in Morro Bay, up the coast uh, this new year's, but I'll be bouncing around LA and surrounding areas over the next while. And uh, if I could real quick, December 4th, Sunday, December 4th, our annual Veterans Benefit. The Toyster Troops Bash over in Santa Monica, over in your neck of the woods. So I'm going this day. year, I promise. Yeah, dude. Free dip dish pizza from Massa uh, Bakery and uh, raffle prizes. We're giving away drink specials, all sorts of crazy stuff. And then we take a big truckload of stuff over to the Westside Veterans Hospital here in Los Angeles. It's a great event December 4th.
1: And, that, and for info on that, go to JonasGarvin.com. That's J-O-N-A-S-G-A-R-V-I-N jonas garvin the book is called pandemic papers pick it up always great to see you my brother
4: you too bro man let's talk soon
5: Yes, fish eaters. The days of troublesome scaling, cutting, and gutting are over because Super Bassomatic 76 is the tool that lets you use the whole bass with no fish waste, without scaling, cutting, or gutting. Here's how it works: catch a bass, remove the hook, and drop the bass. That's the whole bass into the Super Bassomatic 76. Now adjust the control dial so that that bass is blended just the way you like it.
1: And that is just about gonna do it my friends for the 200th episode of what we're drinking with dan dunn i didn't imagine we'd make it this far i really didn't and we have and we're going strong getting stronger every day <clears throat> look at me i'm getting choked up no just got a little frog in my throat but it's uh you you're the reason the show's still rocking because you listen and i want to thank you for that from the bottom of my heart. I really mean that. Also want to thank my guests today, Jonas Garvin, Joe Beatrice, Lindsay Palumbo, and of course, our West East Coast co-host, Colin Donnell. Remind you to check out our YouTube page. We've redesigned it. We got a lot of cool videos up there and, and please go and subscribe. Tell some friends about it. Next week's show, we're going to have, oh man, I'm so excited legendary rock and roller rick nielsen of cheap trick is going to be here on the show talking about his vodka rock and vodka i'm excited i've been a cheap trick fan my since uh, i was a child and um until then be safe and happy thanksgiving everybody okay